This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and welcome to Garden of Sound. I'm your host Ian Turner and today my guest is Reuben Stone. But first, if you enjoy what you hear today, on whatever platform you consume the show, I wholeheartedly recommend you subscribe so you can enjoy all of the guests I have on the show, week in, week out. Just head to gardenofsound.nz and hit one of the links on the front page. Okay, Reuben Stone, if travelling the world and living on the fringe sounds like your bag, then listen up. Multi-instrumentalist and entrepreneur Reuben Stone started music early and was fortunate enough to study under Judith Bell at Chisnellwood, where other Christchurch musical luminaries, such as Joe Sampson, have levelled up. The move to Melbourne opened a wide variety of opportunities and success until COVID decided to kick any further international touring plans on their ass. So back in Christchurch and with Go Live Festival coming up, how does the exceptionally talented Reuben Stone plan to get back on the road and into the public's imagination once more? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Reuben Stone on Plains FM 96.9. Reuben, tell me about your earliest musical memories. So basically when I started playing it would have been about, I don't know, 1993. How old are you now? 32 now. That's a long time ago. Yeah, I kicked then. off um, just in the bedroom with my dad's equipment. So we're talking like early, we're talking like early primary school. This is you. Actually, probably before primary school, probably wow. yeah, 93. I started in 94. Yeah. Um, playing the drum kit just as a kid, you know, messing around on the yeah. drum kit. And dad went and bought me a bass guitar when I was about six or seven from CJ's music. What was what was his story? What was his musical story? Um, my dad used to be in a band in, in the 80s in Christchurch called the Pedestrians. Pedestrians, okay. And um, yeah, they were they were like semi-big in Christchurch and did a record release in Germany and stuff like that. Okay, but so... Not for many years. He bought you the bass. Um, was that the start of the, the stringed instruments? The, yeah. the drums continue as well? Yeah, yeah, I always played the drums. The drums are my first instrument. Yeah. Um, the bass kicked off a bit there, and I played that for a, for a few years, and then about 11 years old, when I was intermediate school, was at Chisnellwood Intermediate, yep. for a lady called Judith Bell, was a music teacher there, and um, yeah, we went through two years of playing in bands, and old Joe Sampson, I was an intermediate with Joe Sampson from T54, he's playing um, Go Live as well, he was a year older than me, and we were just in the rock band together, and yeah, that was a, a pretty big building moment, so that's when I first played the town hall, was... At Chisnall Intermediate, so that was 20 years ago from now. What was that like as a kid? It was pretty cool, yeah, playing main stage town hall was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, we weren't very experienced, obviously, but... What sort of vibe, what sort of genre of We're music? doing, like, kind of punky rock stuff, really. Uh, three-piece. Yeah. Three-piece band. Yeah. But, yeah, we um, we did actually quite well. That band was called Plastic Jane. So your dad was in the pedestrians. Um, what kind of music, what kind of music were you listening to at home? Just whatever my dad was listening to, really, like a lot of Tom Petty, you know, Smashing Pumpkins. Okay. Um, bit of grunge, I guess, because it was mid-90s. Just my dad's influence, really, yeah, just whatever he had on the go. Um, and when did you start sort of finding your own musical vibe? It was all changing quite quite quickly, really. I started with the rocky kind of punk stuff in the intermediate days, and then when I started going to Hagley High School, there was uh, a little bit more scope to be a bit more heavy with some of the other 
heavier artists and we did a bit of kind of metal sort of thrashy kind of stuff yeah did some uh, support slots for eight foot sativa back okay. in the day I was 15 then. We supported them a couple of times, actually, which was pretty big for us at the time. And they'd played some of the um, all-ages gigs as well, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we played, I think, a couple of R18 ones in yeah. New Brighton and the Esplanade Tavern in New Brighton. <laughs> Fantastic. So when did the, um, and I will use the term very loosely, um, when did the sort of like the the dub dance kind, mm. of, kind of styles sort of get into your head? Um, that would have been, I moved to Melbourne in 2012. Yeah. So earthquakes happened, right, okay. right, everything was a bit scattered and broken and stuff. So we left, uh, got cruised over to Melbourne, moved there. Yeah. I saved five grand over here and then moved over there and just kind of spent that money as I went and yeah. had a great time for six weeks or something like that and then ran out of money. Yeah. And I thought, man, I might as well just buy a battery powered amp because there's lots of people in Melbourne just sitting playing music and getting paid for it yeah i thought oh, i could just go and do that and I, my last 500 bucks i bought a little amp battery powered and then i just went and sat down on the street and started playing with it with a guitar yeah with just a guitar solo yep. solo acoustic guitar playing yeah. blues kind of style stuff that i'd learnt when i was doing my diploma what was the diploma in, in performance music performance this was in uh, manchester street place called vision college okay yeah they had a performance diploma there three years okay so this was all prior to Yep. To going to Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. Sort of around that time when you were in Melbourne, what was the music scene like? What were what were folks into? What was the big stuff going on? I really went straight, you know, to the street and started playing there and I just met people while I was out there and I ended up joining a band and it's a, I don't know, 10 or 12-piece dub kind of reggae kind of band. They have yeah. five-piece horn section stuff and I played guitar for them. Uh-huh. Started playing a lot of the festivals, a lot of big festivals in Melbourne. Yeah. And just like meeting a lot of people and partying and just yeah. having a rad time with my friends. Yeah. Which was really cool. Yeah, I didn't really try to do it. It just kind of happened. And just happened. Yeah, just kind of fell into that position, which was cool. So what led you back to New Zealand? Well, we did a lot of a lot of touring throughout Australia and stuff like that. And then we were just kind of uh, getting a bit sick of it after a while. We had a few, um, few like curveballs with like management and stuff not working out. Yeah. So, yeah, it just really didn't work out over there. So, well, that was after. I lived there for eight years, so okay. we got sick of it, kind of. So a decent amount of time. Yeah, I mean, we just wanted to cruise home for a bit. And So what had changed for you um, between leaving Shaky City and uh, and coming back eight eight years later? Oh, a hell of a lot. At least it started to sort of show a little bit of an upturn and vibe and some venues opening. And yeah something to do but obviously i came back to melbourne from melbourne to christchurch like a month before covid hit so wow so that was quite lucky yeah because i had a storage unit full of just junk and all all the stuff i've collected since i'd been there yeah and we were like oh man my partner sophie were like let's go back and get it sorted before christmas yeah we went before in end of december and then yeah covid was it january something like that and we had finally got everything out of storage which was fantastic yeah great to come home and Lockdown here, I guess. Indeed. So what were you doing in the lockdown? How were you sort of occupying yourself when you're so used to being out on the road mm, and performing? I was doing a lot of production stuff at home and yeah. recording demos. Recorded okay. something like 50 demos or something while I was in lockdown. And then we came back and listened to them. Didn't like any of them. <laughs> okay. Who would you, um, uh, for your current 
musical projects, uh, yourself namely, who would mm. you sort of see as your, your influences? A, a lot of, like, when I first moved to Melbourne, um, I was studying just before I moved to Melbourne, actually, I sort of discovered Dub FX mm-hmm. using loopers to construct songs rather than what I'd been using before, just practicing guitar scales. Yeah. But looper, like making a whole song out of it, I never really thought about it like that. Mm. When I was busking, it did actually take a little bit of the grunt work out of strumming a guitar for six hours on the street. Yeah. You know, set a loop and just... Noodle over the top. Yeah. And then things kind of just went from there, really. Yeah. built up. Yeah. It's time for some music. And you've suggested a track from an artist called Grammatic. Balkan Express, do you want to sort of talk about who these guys are? Um, Grammatic, it's another time when I, when I moved to Australia, I just got into this world of just like, you know, like electronic music and, and festival kind of scene. And, I, um, I just started listening to Grammatic with big produced drums, yep. um, really lush horns and old school samples, like sampling things from the forties, little yes. bits of music from the forties. I think the earliest thing he's ever sampled was like 1700s or something like a song from the 1700s. But, um, yeah, it's just, I like the production and. That's how I kind of want to present my music these days with that kind of sound, really. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm pursuing at the moment. Now I've sorted everything out. Okay, let's hear it. This is Balkan Express.
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Ruben Stone on Plains FM 96.9. You spend a lot of time in in Mally Bobs. What about big gigs? Did you see anything big before you went overseas? One of the things that really kind of got me into like playing in bands and stuff like that would have been um, seeing she had... Christchurch Town Hall in 2000, General okay. Electric Tour with yes. Weta and yes. Fur Patrol. and Fur Patrol. I do remember that gig. Yeah, yes. That was a big big kind of turning point for me when I was to see a band like that. You know, my dad took me down. I was, 11, I was 11 at that time. Yeah. And I was just never really the same after that. I just kind of just was like, man, this is my thing. I want to do this, you know. Yeah. And that's when we got into this, this forming bands and jamming. Have you met any of the guys from She Had? Yeah, yeah. I did some work in Tom, with Tom Larkin over in... Melbourne, yeah, he was managing me for a bit there. Fantastic, uh, and helping me record and be produced a couple of my songs. What about in Australia when you were over there? Anything that sort of really, really blew you away? International acts, um, or maybe something that you've taken away from an act that you've seen that you wanted to incorporate into your, into your shows. I've never really gone for that kind of thing. Like I'm never really basing anything on trying to take any too much from other people. Really, I've just kind of I don't actually listen to a lot of music, which is strange. Okay. I just play a lot, so yeah. like, I sometimes I just like want to have peace and quiet, eh? and just kind of kind of develop my sound from just really playing my own stuff all the time. Yeah, I know it's pretty self indulgent, but that's why I kind of have developed my own sound is because I only really play. I don't really listen to music that much. Okay, I mean, I listen to a bit. I mean, so when we talked about influences earlier, where else would you sort of like draw inspiration for what you you create? Um, I don't know. Like if I listen to a lot of world music and stuff like that like the stuff you're about to hear or what you just heard before from grammatic stuff like that with this crazy um you know eastern europe influences yep. and um eastern kind of egyptian kind yep. of style kind yep. of stuff yeah if i listen to a lot of that like if i'm got like i'm working and stuff like that i listen to a lot of music and it kind of comes out in the, in the playing a little bit i've never really based what i do on anyone else's mm. things you know mm. what i mean it seems like you're slightly technology dependent in what you do, especially if you're doing stuff on your own. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess it can sort of make or break a gig. Has anything sort of happened recently? Might have gone off the rails? Yeah, well, after the lockdown, I was kind of, I was, I was itching to kind of up, upgrade everything because I've just been doing a lot of touring around the world and my my gear was kind of starting to fail a little bit here and there and getting yep. clicks and pops and yeah. stuff and it was really time to kind of upgrade so we upgraded it and went digital with the whole thing pretty much yeah not as much analog stuff and while doing that we kind of created a whole bunch of other problems that um have only just really come to fruition like got rid of them you had a bit of a buzz in my in-air monitor feed which was kind of all my gigs for the last year which i finally got rid of which is go live is going to be the gig mm-hmm. um First gig back without that noise in my any monitors, so yeah. I can actually start enjoying playing live again. So obviously, COVID knocked the gigging on the ass. Um, yeah. What What is the ideal scenario for for Ruben Stone post go live for the rest of twenty one twenty two? What do you want to be doing? Just using this one kind of step up to get a some good um, video footage of like my new kind of thing that I'm doing. I've got yeah. I've got a friend coming in to play the sousaphone do some live looping of the Zuzophone, bass trombone, and a couple of other, you know, I want I want to be collaborating with people, my live shows now. Okay. I don't want to just do it all on my own all the time now. Yeah. I want to bring people in to, 
you know, express themselves as well, which would be interesting. It seems like it's tremendously important to you to be pushing the boundaries and not get stuck in a rut. Yeah, I have actually been in a rut for a while. I've been in some strange, like, musical depression. I don't know. It's just that buzz, man. It was just yeah. infiltrating my whole life. Yeah. To finally get rid of it, it's actually a lot of lot of pressure and I can start thinking about doing gigs again and enjoying it. Was it always going to be music? I feel like it's yeah, it was always kind of music, you know. I prefer to just do a few gigs here and there than work a full-time job you know obviously yeah. and yeah. obviously I've I've been busking for the last 10 years I've sold 12,000 CDs worldwide like through Europe Canada USA yeah and the UK yeah and a lot a lot in Melbourne and Australia and I used to follow the fringe festivals around yeah Melbourne fringe Adelaide fringe Edinburgh fringe festival and that's where I'd do you know 50% of my year's money and then I'd spend it all it seems pretty hard going uh, would you recommend it to to folks to get their get their chops? Um, yeah, it is. It's hard going, but when you when you've got experience with it, it's not as bad as you think. You know, like yeah. basically, you're in one city for I don't know if we, we'd go to the south of France and stay there for three weeks, yeah. and the, and we'd get an apartment for three weeks, and we'd just, every day we'd be playing all day. Yep, and we'd be aiming to do you know five hundred to a thousand euro a day. Yep. Um, 500 is generally pretty good, about 50 CDs at 10 euros each. Yeah. Go over there, and then we'd move from that festival, we'd go to Scotland and do the same thing there. Yeah. And then sometimes I'd go from Scotland to the States and go to Burning Man, um, do some traveling up and down the East Coast, West Coast of the States. It really does sound like the best of both worlds, because when you talk about mm. not having a full-time job, that in itself is a yeah is is a full-time job. Yeah, it is. How sustainable is is that? I was quite burnt out actually when I came back from Australia. I was, I've been working really hard. You know, we're doing something like eighty to a hundred shows in a month, playing the same set over and over again. You know what I mean? So we just kind of we do five a day, five shows a day usually if we can. Yeah. Um, we'd just be aiming to just sell as many CDs as we can. Really, like we'd aim for like three thousand CDs every year in Europe. Do you think it's that rather than the tech stuff that sort of led to your this trough? Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of um, interesting things that happen out there, and you do meet a lot of street performers. So you'll find that my show, if you see my stage show, it's actually got a lot of influence from Circle Act performers, yep. people that I know really well that are amazing performers that I've picked up things from their shows, and then I do musicians that I use in my show. Okay, um, just really creating like entertainment for people because like that's the only way that you sell CDs on the street as if you draw people in so they're a part of this like thing that's happening then they they buy a CD and then they put it in their car and then they're happy as listen to your music you know and it's, they have a memory of that time that they saw that's right yeah and it's, that's it and it's um it's one of those things of CDs have gone down a little bit but still people still buy CDs yep which I wouldn't be surprised uh, I do ask at this point if we can have a, an all time fave or a current fave or something like that what are we gonna what are we gonna hear now um, this this is a track that I, I when I first moved to Melbourne I went to up to Cairns and played at the Solar Eclipse Festival. Mm-hmm. It was in 2012 and there's a full Solar Eclipse, and it's just like a really pivotal moment in my life. And saw Beats Antique for the first time live. Um, the guy plays um, violin and this three three stringed kind of banjo thing. Okay, slide and it's just like. Really original sound of music, nothing kind of sounds like it, so yeah. I thought I'd um, let you play that one. Fantastic.
Okay, this month the Nephilist, which is sister brand to Garden of Sound, is supporting Christchurch drug and alcohol outreach charity Drug Arm. The Nephilist is giving away their 700ml blends of Brunswick Aces, Hearts and Spades Sapir. That's alcohol-free gin, by the way. To support Drug Arm's street van outreach and counselling services. So the product is free with free delivery in Christchurch, but we do ask you make a minimum $10 donation to Drug Arm when you order your bottle. So if you're doing Dry July or you want an exceptionally tasty alcohol-free beverage and you want to support a great charity, then visit thenephilist.com. That's N-E-P-H-A-L-I-S-T, thenephilist.com, and place your order. 
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Reuben Stone on Plains FM 96.9. Uh, Reuben, at the end of this section, we're going to be uh, checking out Push to the Limit. Can you tell me a bit more about this um, track? Just uh, taking off from the previous section when I said I went from Scotland to the States. Yep. First time I did that, um, I recorded the single in LA for Nick Gaffney. Um, the name rings a bell. Yeah, Kyra Knife Fight. Gotcha. Um, basically, New Zealand's like one of the most you know well-known drummers in New yep. Zealand and producer and just actual phenomenal musician yeah. in all respects, really. And we hired um, a studio in um, LA that is owned by a guy called Jim Scott, who is producer, Tom Petty, um, a lot of the biggest you know names in music, Ray yep. Chance Machine, Smashing Pumpkins. He's done, he's done all the big artists, gold records all over the studio. I hired that for three days and hired the boys and we just recorded the song. It's a very Kiwi attitude to it. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? We cruised into Los Angeles and just, you just rocked it. It was just mean. burn it down. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. yeah. Um, who's playing on it? Um, Nick Gaffney's playing drums. drums. Um, he did some production stuff as well, but I, I played everything on there. Yeah. Except for drums, yeah. That's what yeah. I usually bring in session drummers these days. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, drumming is something that you really need to be playing every day. Okay. To have that slick feel. And I don't have a drum kit at the moment, so... Okay, that's probably... Uh, but I, I do most of my sampling anyway, so yeah. drum pad and I haven't been playing the drums too much. Okay. Every time I've tried to record in the studio, I've thought, mm, you know, it's it's possible, but it's not as good as it can be. So that's why you pay the pros. So before getting to uh, the actual recording of it, what is the sort of production process for getting it to a, this is what I'm going to do when I get in the studio kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, it would have been just um, busking and doing street shows all around the world. Good friend of mine, Shane uh, Bellingham, who uh, tragically passed away in, at Burning Man 2019, he would, uh, we travel around the world for four or five years and he was selling the CDs. So we had the CDs just going and... Um, yeah, Pushed to the Limit was kind of our lead song, last song of the set that would kind of, you know, push him over the edge. And uh, yeah, that was just a um, shame would sell the CDs and we'd travel around the world and that's how we started doing it, you know, and um, just cruising from country to country just with my equipment and a couple of boxes of CDs. Okay. Like a bird on the breeze Another train, another plane I'm checking in, I'm checking out again I'm checking you out again Your flow. Ooh. Then I climb to the 
This is the Gardner Sound interview with Ruben Stone on Plains FM 96.9. Um, let's look back a few years, quite a few years. Uh, young Ruben out there getting into it. He's, he's played a little bit. What advice are you going to give to that, that young man? Probably you don't want to believe shit that people say to you until it's actually happening. Don't okay. believe what people say and they'll try to take advantage of you in the music industry. Some some pretty nasty people out there, but um, how, we, we how all do, go through that. How does one identify these people? Oh, they're hard to spot. They're a bit slimy. Okay, and they uh, so, so what what are the telltale signs? There must be something that sort of I don't know when people are being too nice. Okay, promising too much. Um, yeah, no, the music industry can be like that. Um, you know, people kind of taking advantage of your willingness to succeed. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. That's what I really don't like about it. But that's why I was doing a lot of the street stuff because I was still doing the big gigs, you know, like touring with Tash Sultana, touring with UB40 in Australia, playing with the Black Seeds, you know. So all the, I was still all doing all the big things, but I wasn't having to deal with people trying to screw me over for money. Yeah. You know, I was just kind of just living off my own back, you know. What are the pros and cons? The things about having connections and stuff like that. Um network networking in the music industry it's really hard to to get a foot in in the door if you don't have that one person that you know that knows someone else do you know what i mean it doesn't matter how many streams you've had on spotify who you've toured with yeah if you don't know that one person in the industry that's you know gonna unlock it for you it's not really much point trying it absolutely seems like music is your passion but have you had thoughts um, about setting up your own production, distribution, management yeah. structure to help others. I have thought about that. Yeah, I had an agency because that's one of the things. Like to have a corporate representation, putting you forward for gigs constantly without you having to do it is a really good thing. Which I had in Australia. You know, I had an agent and had management and stuff like that. But yeah. like when I look back on it now, it's like that was really good learning experience for me. You know, to get kind of screwed over and. To come out the other end, uh, not feeling too flash about it because I'd, I'd be much more aware of it happening. How were you screwed over? Um, well, it's just it's, a, it's something I can't really go into. Sure. But, um, businesses that kind of start up, do a whole bunch of dodgy shit, and then change their name to something else. Okay. To not just the music industry, it's all it's, all walks of life, really, isn't it? 
people that say they believe in you, but they just really want your money. Okay. And there's a lot of that. Okay. <laughs> I'm not okay. going to name any names. Sure. <laughs> um, so musically, you've been around the world. You've played a shitload. Um, you've had many experiences. Mm. Um, uh, you're obviously very accomplished. What else do you want to do? Well, I just now really started to fire off, you know, again, because that problem with my my new rig, because the, the rig sonically is like 10 times what it used to be before I rebuilt it. But getting through that, getting that technical buzz out of my existence, that's really got me excited to get, get back into things and get that things back on the road. Because, you know, I, I was playing, you know, almost sold out Blue Smoke. And it was like my own gig. I promoted the whole thing. Almost sold it out. It was like 250 people in there or something. Yeah. You know, I had the buzz in my ears. And it's like I walked off stage and I was like unhappy. Yeah. Which is really strange because all those people would come to the gig. I'd made money on it. It was like... And I was still felt un, like not happy because yeah. my my I was getting the sound in my ears where I, I just couldn't get rid of it, the sound, the buzz in my ears. And it was just... It didn't matter what the gig was. I didn't really want to do it because I yeah. knew that I was going to have to go through that same buzz every time. It's a really long time to have to put up it with is. something. It is. And there's a lot of things because my rig is actually quite complex to try and troubleshoot. Yeah. We tried pretty much everything to the point where it was... I was thinking about buying a brand new mixer. You know, the mixer cost me 2000 anyway, yeah. so I was like going to have to replace that with another one, and that might not have fixed the problem, which it wouldn't have. Now, once we've all got our jabs and things open up and so on, is it back overseas? Yeah, I'd imagine that I'd want to be cruising overseas and doing some more stuff. Yeah. Um, but this gives me a good time to really get some debts paid off. And okay. Yeah, I had a bit, of a bit of a bum tour in January, actually, when... COVID was kind of kicking off in Auckland and stuff like that, and everything was kind of up in the air. It was just a terrible time to be touring. Yeah. First gig was tough. Second gig was tougher. Third gig was even tougher. And then by the end, I was just a wreck, really. And um, you still had the buzz in your ears. Yeah, the buzz, the buzz was there the whole time. Um, oh. That was, oh yeah, it was God. really, really freaky. Yeah. Uh, and it just started to make me really resent even doing it, playing live. Yeah. But now it's gone. I'm... I can feel that sense of wanting to play live again coming back. And I, yep. was, I was thought I thought maybe I just completely cooked it and burnt myself out just touring too hard yep. and completely done it, done myself over yep. completely and I just can't do it anymore. But I've realized that it was just that technical issue with my um, monitoring system that yeah. throwing a big wrench into the, the old cogs there. Into the works. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we got that sorted. Yeah, no, it's good. This is the Gardener Sound interview with Reuben Stone on Plains FM 96.9. We're about to play mini quiz. I'm going to throw 10 questions in your direction. You've got yeah. one minute to answer them. If you don't know the answer, just say pass. Okay. And fail fast, I guess. Yeah. Just sort of get it out there. All right, Reuben Stone, your mini quiz starts now. Which actress sings a version of Money, Money, Money in the 2008 movie Mamma Mia? Christina Aguilera. Who was performing with Janet Jackson when she had a wardrobe malfunction at the 2004 Super Bowl? Miley Cyrus. Which artist released the best-selling album Jagged Little Pill in 1995? Alanis Morissette. What number is also the name of Adele's second studio album? I don't know. The dynamics crescendo and decrescendo come from which language? Italian. 
Gaz, Danny and Mick made up which famous band formed in 1993? No idea. Who sang, when the going gets tough, the tough get going? No idea. In which year did U2 release the album Boy? Oh, I don't know. What was the name of Natalie Imbruglia's musician husband whom she married in 2003? Was it Daniel Johnson? Well done. There you go. Okay, your time is up. I'll just run through these. Uh, you you got through nine questions there. Uh, Meryl Streep uh, sang Money, Money, Money and Mamma Mia. It was Justin Timberlake who was performing with Janet Jackson with uh. that infamous nip slip or whatever you call it. Oh. Yes. Uh, Alanis Morissette, um, uh, 21. Uh, Italian, well done. Supergrass, Gaz, oh, yeah. Danny and Mick. Uh, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Billy Ocean. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you two released Boy in 1980. The last one which you didn't get, which you probably might know, which Australian band had a hit with a single In the Summertime? Thirsty, Mick. Well done. <laughs> you, got, you got four. That's, that's average. pretty good. It's average. Yeah, below it's average. average. It's I below know. average. No, no, it's actually above <laughs> average. Um, some of the folks we've had on the show. Um, okay, so you're playing Go Live Festival, um, which I'm very, very much looking forward to. Actually, there's far too many acts to see. That's probably the only, the only problem. If you weren't playing Go Live Festival um, uh, and you were attending as a punter, uh, who would you be keen on checking out? I would be looking to see probably Emma's Lemma play. She's pretty yep. rad. Yep. She's got good attitude, that girl. Um Dillestrate, yeah, um, staple Christchurch, yeah, artists, yeah. Um, have to see old Joe Sampson play, yeah. Uh, Pumpkinhead. Um, honestly, I'd never heard a Pumpkinhead song in my life, so I'd better go check him out. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> no, that sounds that sounds pretty good. Um, we've got time for one more track of yours. Yeah, it's called Trouble. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about the creation, the the vibe uh, behind it? Um, yep. So. Uh, Originally started playing this one when I was I was playing on the street in Sydney actually, in uh, Pitt Street Mall in Sydney, um, busking. Yeah. And I just would get in, in trouble all the time for being too loud. Like I we were pushing you know, good solid PA speaker around and yeah. playing probably too loud. But the louder you play, the bigger the audience got. So it was kind of hard to yeah. not do it. Yeah. Um, and the more CDs you sell. Yeah, that's them. right. And that's what we were about. And we were there for a short time, not a long time. So. It was good, and then yeah, we kind of just started going on to the song and trouble. Yet, sweet, we're in trouble again. Yep, I released that on uh, MGM over in in Australia, and that actually did quite well as a single. And uh, that was produced by Tom Larkin. Yeah, uh, Tom Larkin played drums on it. Yep, which was a, a super pivotal moment for me as well. You know, I said I went to that gig at the Town Hall in yeah. two thousand, and then like twenty years later, he's gone. Oh, Fifteen years later, he's, he's playing, playing on my, on my one of my singles, which Fantastic. was super cool. And that was a hookup through Tash Sultana's management. Yeah. And they, that kind of put me in contact with Tom, which was really cool. Yeah. It was one of those things that really kind of opened me up to like how gnarly the in- industry really is, you know. That's good. So that's yeah, Trouble. It's a, it's a good song and it's probably my most popular song, really. Fantastic. Yeah, still the most popular one. Still goes off. I still play it live. I still play it for my first song, usually. Yeah. It's usually a really good audience builder, usually. How much do you talk to the audience during the show? Um, It really depends, man. Like, uh... For a, for a bigger kind of style show where the audience is kind of already there, I'll just come and I'll be quite. I'll do a little bit of mime stuff at the start of this, the set and uh, kind of get people engaged a little bit. And I'll start. 
depending how long I've got, you know, like if I've got 45 minutes yeah. to an hour, I can do a lot, but anything less than that, it's, uh, I'm starting to squish things down and okay. make it, yeah, I, I, I do a little bit of talking, but mainly hyping. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Ruben, it's been awesome to meet you, and I very much look forward to seeing you go live festival. Thanks, Ian. Cheers, mate. I'm in trouble, trouble again. So I cast my mind aside like a fishing line to the sea Because the tide is high and my hopes are too When I look to the side and I see you there
Okay, it's time for my tracks of the week. I'm going to kick off with a delightful three-minute pop rock ditty from two-piece Carb on Carb. This is their latest single, Here Comes the Best Bit. Fences in the state Couldn't tell you if it's the right Rounding out the musical buffet today is one of my favourite Christchurch musical artists, Thomas Espista. I caught up with him recently to beg once again, come on the show. So watch this space for that one. In the meantime, you'll just have to make do with this next track off his very recently released album, number six. This is Ghost in a Car. Yeah. 
ghost is a ghost with a car and it's foolish to disappear We're afraid you'll disappear Thanks heaps for joining me today on the show. Thanks also to Ruben Stone for being a stand-up dude and chatting with me for a bit. If you want to find out more about what Ruben's up to, then head to gardenofsound.nz, click on his image on the front page. There you can get tickets to see Ruben play Go Live Festival. It's next Saturday, 24th of July. I'm Ian Turner. I look forward to bringing you Garden of Sound same time next week. In the meantime, keep well, keep listening, and keep playing. Inohora.